Hello and welcome to Irreverent Testimony, brought to you by Netroots Radio, the political podcast by informal millennial Gen Xers from a left-wing perspective. Not that I'm rushing through that intro, but I've said it a bunch <laughs> of times now. I'm Travis. I'm Rachel. Saturday, November 3rd, 2018. We are a mere two days, two days from three. Election Day. Well, three, well, two not including today. Okay. Sunday, Monday, then Tuesday, whatever. It's three days. Let's argue about that for a half hour. That's <laughs> scintillating podcasting that everybody wants to hear. Yes. Um, we're going to start, as been a semi-tradition, with a movie review. Yeah. Because I guess Friday night is now movie night for us. I guess so. It's, since we're old people and that's what we do for wild adventure and yeah. debauchery is go to a movie at the Esquire Theater around that the no corner. no one else wants to see. That no one else has heard of or wants to see. Uh, we went and saw a movie called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Is that what yes. it's called? Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yes. Starring Melissa McCarthy. And uh, do you want to like give the synopsis and then yeah, you know, talk hilarious. about my feelings? Yeah, it was hilarious. I was... <laughs> people always ask at work, like, what are you doing this weekend? And I was like, oh, I'm going to go see this movie. And nobody had heard, literally no one in the building had heard of it. So I had to explain it. And it is a really complicated movie to try to explain. It's not like, yeah. oh, it's the Avengers. Um, so I had to explain it like seven times and I, I eventually just shortened it to like, I don't know, it's an artsy movie about, um, it's not really artsy. Well, it's not a blockbuster. No. Shut up movie yeah. Either, right? It's an indie ish movie. It's a quiet little film. Yeah. Anyway, it's about Melissa McCarthy is a sort of, um, uh, out of work, um, author who writes biographies of other uh, of famous people, um, and she uh, well biographies of bygone famous people that right. current audiences don't know or care about. Right, um, down on her luck, needs money. Her cat is sick, uh, so she starts. Um, she finds this letter um, in a library book because she's writing a new um, biography, and this letter's like tucked into the back of this book. And it's a letter from the author of, uh, or from the subject, I guess, um, of the biography that she's writing to one of their loved ones. Um, and so she... Because back in the day before email kids, we wrote these things called letters. Letters. <laughs> right? Um, when you so, remember your grandma would buy you stationery for thing, for uh, Christmas? Oh my God. My grandmother used That's to why. hound me to write letters to her. Because mm-hmm. um, that was a thing back in the day. Never did the email thing. Uh, so anyway, she decides to sell this letter to... Uh, used uh, rare bookstore people um, because people collect these things. People Apparently there's thousands of those in New York. Right, right. <laughs> which I believe. Yeah. Um, she sells the letter to get some money to um, help her cat go to the vet. Um, and the woman who she sells it to says, you know, I can give you like 75 bucks for this. But um, if the content was a little juicier, you know, I might be able to, to give you a little bit more. And it sparks this idea for her to start forging letters from famous people to their loved ones. Um, and she goes on to do that, and that is a crime. Um, <clears throat> enlists the help of her uh, friend, and uh, it's based on a true story. The woman's name is Lee Israel. Um, and it was uh, just beautiful and delightful, and I, I loved it so much. Yeah, it was a really good movie. It was very well done. It was probably one of the better movies we've seen in a while, yeah, I would say. me too. I thought that movie The Wife was disappointing. Right. Um, I don't remember what else we've seen recently. We've seen a lot of movies, but this one was really, really, I just loved it so yeah. much. Yeah. Uh, you know, it was kind of personal to us for kind of different reasons. Yeah. To me, it, it, it was personal in that 
it depicted right off the bat this struggling uh, creative person who's trying to make it in the regular like nine to five office world and failing. And that's something I can relate to. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's be honest. It's just very recently where I've, I've actually devoted myself to trying to make a living doing creative stuff I want to do rather than just toiling in a, in a regular office world that I, I don't thrive in. Right. And so that, that, element of the story to me was really interesting and and even though the character is not terribly likable (laughs) I kind of related to her on that part at least Um, and then of course there's she befriends this uh, basically uh, street hustler drifter type uh, gay man aging gay man who's kind of partied out and has nowhere else to go and they kind of are in a similar straits in life and, and start up this wonderful but dysfunctional friendship and it's a great movie. It's just great. It is great. And it was personal to me because I think um, so often when we watch movies about gay people, she was a lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just so dysfunctional the way that they're portrayed, right? It's like... Because these, of being queer. Right, yeah. right. And, because and they're it, queer. There's just it's They're just one stereotype after yeah. another. They're not multifaceted. They're shallow one-dimensional characters and they're depicted right. so often um in this movie she's completely <clears throat> dysfunctional and it has nothing to do with her sexuality right nothing at all she just happens to be gay mm-hmm. um and uh yeah I, I both of the characters um i thought were just really beautifully done and really beautifully acted and um i i really appreciated um just being able to watch a movie about queer people that wasn't just cringeworthy you know wasn't just like oh here we go with the like um just all of the stereotypes that we always see um and all of the yeah the way that hollywood sort of does queer people is very disappointing and i didn't think it was right Um, these these were these were multifaceted characters who happened to be queer not queer characters right and the movie had really not much to do with them being queer other than that's part of their life, just like we do straight people, uh-huh. um, which was really nice to see. Um, I really loved it, and uh, and I cried a couple times, and it's just, I really couldn't recommend it more. Yeah, it's 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 subdued. It's mostly subtle, um, you know, it, it, but really good, and I highly recommend it. If it's playing, it, it was literally last night only playing in one theater in all of the greater Denver area, and that happened to be in our neighborhood. Right. We were very lucky. At one time. Yeah. <laughs> one day, right? Like, it's... it's it, it may open a little wider after this weekend, but, like, last night, if we wanted to see it, it just happened to be at this theater that's around the corner. Well, it us. doesn't surprise me, right? Yeah. We live in the neighborhood. I, I think there, it's also playing in one theater in Boulder, you know, which right. is an hour away, but right. Denver, with the 800 movie theaters... One theater. In Cap Hill. <laughs> in Cap Hill. Our Where all the queer people are. Yeah. <laughs> they might want to go see it. And there was yeah. a pretty good turnout, actually. There was. Um, there was. It was in the, the big theater at the Esquire, which yeah. is like an art house movie theater. And... It was great. Okay. So that's it for a movie review. I have more to say about it, but it was just no, spoilers. No, go ahead. No, it would just be spoilers. Yeah, no, so no, let's really stay from that. the spoilers. So, no, no. Yeah. No Once spoilers. you guys see it, we can discuss it. On yeah, this there. isn't a movie podcast. We <laughs> no. just throw this in to, to uh, you know, buffer the the time to right. filler as they call it. no I'm kidding that's not right. what we're doing anyway <laughs> so uh voting is happening early voting there's lots happening there's so much information flying around there's people like me who are a little too obsessed or trying to read all the tea leaves with the early voting 
And we have to stop ourselves and admit to ourselves and people who like follow us on Twitter and listen to us that we really are just reading tea leaves. We really don't have any idea. We're making no. somewhat-ish educated guesses, sort of, but not, you know, really. Right. And I can't get into that for some reason. Like, I just don't, I can't you, you're care. You're saving yourself sanity. I can't, yeah, Because like I can't yesterday, I find myself refreshing like John Ralston's feed and Steve Shale's feed. And Greg's feed to get these like, oh, like, oh, what's the number of early voters for this day in Las Vegas? And what does this mean if I extrapolate? It's like right. you drive yourself crazy with right. it. And, you, and, and, and ultimately, you don't really know what it means. Be- right. And we do that because we want some sense of control. Yes. But we have no control. Like we want to know. We want to know how this is going to go. We right. Wanna, and, right. Like oh, we want to say like, oh, well, forget about this race. I don't want to emotionally invest in it. Well, how about this race? And we have a better chance here. Like we want to be able to do that. But the, the, the truth is we really don't know what's going to happen short of we're pretty confident we're going to get the house other than that uh, right and we're so, not sure about that either. and like the horse race i can't i just can't do it like i just i can't invest in it because i feel like um 2016 taught me that lesson of all things is like <laughs> yeah i can't know no, what's gonna happen i was blindsided i was the quote-unquote expert and and hey i wasn't the only one right um but the numbers shocked me yeah and yeah. we could get that going the other way this time, hopefully, but we just don't know. And we could get the the opposite. I mean, I, I really, I'm just, I'm not into the talking about whether or not we're going to, what we're going to get, which, I just can't do it. Like, what happens, happens. What I can do is the very best I can to make sure the most people vote. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh and do some volunteering. Do some volunteering and like, door knocking and phone calls and and do my best. That's all I can do. And then I just have to wait. And yeah. then I just have to deal with whatever happens. Like um, as soon as we're done with the podcast here, we're going to make some calls for yes. J.D. Schulten, who is Steve yes. King's opponent in Iowa, because that might be closer than people think. And even you know if it's not, I I want to do that. And I might do some texts for Gillum later. And this is all stuff you can do. Oh yeah. In the next couple days. So yeah, if you have. Even a couple hours, even an hour, even 30 minutes, mm-hmm. um, you can absolutely make phone calls, send text messages, um, knock on doors. Um, uh, Knocking s- on doors is the best. It's the best. The best thing you can do. Mm-hmm. That's a, a hard ask for a lot of people. It's also not as scary as you think it is. Um, and in this election cycle particularly, voters are a lot more engaged and a lot more willing to talk to you at the door and mm-hmm. willing to, to talk about these races. Um so it's, I think, a lot more rewarding this time around. I think when I did the majority of the door knocking that I did in my life, which was my job um, as the uh, field uh, manager for Daphna, um, people were like, yeah, yeah, I don't I don't know. You, I hate Trump, but Hillary sucks. Yeah. And they, they just didn't. It was just not. Couldn't like, get them to engage. Right. And I think this year, from what I'm hearing from people on the ground who are doing this every day, it is like. People are like, oh, hi, what do you want to talk about? What's going on? Who are you here for? And like, they are really engaged. So it could be really rewarding. Which um, is why, going back to the turnout, early vote turnout numbers, they're really high. Yeah. Um, and I am, I, I know you're not following it, but I, I think some people probably want to hear uh, my take or our take on the tea, on reading the tea leaves. Okay. So quickly. I'll get into it just a little bit. Quickly. Okay. Because I can't do it. There's a lot of people voting and there's... Many more young people are voting, especially in certain places like Texas. It's crazy. It's like five times as many young voters as in 2014. But a lot of older voters are voting, too. And we don't really know what that means because uh, people are looking at those numbers and being like, well, this is no good. 
sure, young voters up, but the older voters up too. But we go, when we went and saw that massive rally with all the pink pussy hats, it was all 50, 60 year old ladies. So that doesn't mean what you think it might mean. Right. I mean, anecdotally, I was talking to my boss yesterday about the election, which is not a thing you're supposed to do, but I can't help it. And um, (laughs) at work, you mean? Right. At work. Yeah. Yeah. It's my boss who's a Republican. Well, not anymore. Um, I don't know what he doesn't know what he is anymore, which is part of the story. Um, He was saying that they had a birthday party for some members of his family and that um, his wife's mom, uh, a registered Republican, has been her whole life, um, considers herself very liberal right now. And he's he's telling me, like, but she's bipolar when it comes to actual issues and she doesn't know anything, but Uh she's like, hates Trump. And I said, you know, I think that that's a thing that happened in 2016 is a lot of nice white ladies who considered themselves Republicans decided that they aren't anymore and they don't know what that means other than they hate Trump. Right. And so I think that's really common. I mean, she's going to vote Democrat now. Mm-hmm. She's a Democrat now. She's still registered as a Republican, but she's yes. going to vote Democrat forever because she hates Trump so much and she hates what the party is and he hates what the party is. He's still a registered Republican and he's going to vote Democrat. Because that, that, that's a really interesting point. Now, that's anecdotal. It is. And I've heard a lot of similar anecdotes. I haven't heard any true anecdotes except for fake Russian bots that lifelong Dems are flipping Republican. Fuck no. But here's the thing, right? And and I'm glad you bring that up because when people look at the Florida numbers, like the polls have been pretty good the last couple of weeks for Gillum and Nelson. But then you look at the early voting numbers and it it looks like kind of a dead heat. Um, But then if you factor in this idea that well, there are some Republican crossovers, not a ton, but more than there are for the for the other side. Then it makes a little more sense, and then you think, okay, well, maybe the Dems are up a couple points. And then you look at unaffiliated, unaffiliated. voters in Colorado, in particular. The, the the statistic keeps coming out from these polls that like, oh, Republicans are voting like they they're like fifty two, and then we're the other, and then there's like this, but then there's unaffiliated voters, right? Which is a huge a chunk huge in chunk. certain places. And Nevada, it's like twenty percent here. It's like thirty, thirty. It's about thirty percent of voters in Colorado are unaffiliated. And, and they seem to be breaking them, but we don't know. And they're for voting sure. in record numbers, and we yes. don't know what that means. We so don't. a few points lower on the Dem side is true. Like a, we're a few points down in terms, in terms of turnout. Of who's voted, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're all voting Republican. Right. The the, I mean, but the, right. The Dems are all voting Democrat, right? Probably, but like we don't know what the unaffiliated voters are doing. So, and I think we're gonna. I think they're going to mostly break our way. So we have to add those numbers to our numbers. And so I think... And understand this, right? Like people are looking at the Florida numbers now and and they're very concerned on our side. A lot of people who are just looking at it casually saying, well, Republicans are getting, you know, they have a two or three percent advantage. And then meanwhile, 20 up to... It's going to be about 20% by the time it's all counted of unaffiliated. And okay, so let's... let, Let me... This is where you have to be a nerd and break down the numbers. Let's say, let's just take Gillum and DeSantis. Let's say Gillum is getting 90% of Dems, registered Dems who voted, 8% are going to DeSantis and 2% are going to some third party. And then DeSantis, let's say he's getting 88% of Republicans, still the overwhelming vast majority, but that 2% difference 
Well, now that kind of makes their advantage a wash. And then you look at the unaffiliated and in the polls, they're breaking Democrat. And then you see like, oh, well, that looks not too bad. It looks like we have a decent chance. But again, it's all speculation. Right. We don't know. We don't know until the votes are counted. We don't know. Like, And if you're going to be like me and scour the early votes and try to read the tea leaves, it, uh, very cautiously optimistic in places like Florida and Nevada, but I don't know. I, 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 Nobody knows, baby. I, I don't, Nobody knows. I don't, we don't know. know until the votes are counted. Yes. And we don't know what election day is going to be like. We don't know how much early vote is cannibalization. That means people that were going to vote anyway. anyway are voting earlier. Um, we think in places like Nevada, the Republicans are focusing more on banking those votes early because when you bank the votes early, it means the votes are banked and you don't have to hold your breath and hope they show up on election day. It makes sense to bank the votes early, right? Uh, and Republicans usually in a place like Nevada would wait more till election day to have a big advantage. And maybe it won't be so big because they voted so heavily. And we don't know, though. We, we, we're, make, we're making all these guesses and there's all these moving parts. What we do know is that a lot of people are voting for a midterm. Yeah. And my general gut feeling as a Democrat is that's good because typically just all other things aside, now, 2016 was an exception in, in certain areas, but typically when turnout is low, especially in midterms, that advantage Republicans. Because no, that, right. The this... more people that vote, the more often we win. That's yes. just the rule. Yes. The more people who vote, the more likely it is the Democrats win. Because mm. Democrats, in reality, regardless of what any bullshit anybody else wants to say, the majority of the country agrees with Democratic policies, period. Yes. If if everybody was required to vote, there would be no Republican Party. Right, right. So when when I see these huge turnout numbers, even though people are not, well, it's still a lot of registered Republicans. Well, it's still a lot of white people. Well, it's still a lot of old people. It's like the overall numbers make me feel better. Right. That the numbers are larger. And now, talk if it, about if it, the young people real quick, because this is a thing that we're going to get real frustrated about. <laughs> yes. If you've if you've been reading the Washington Post and the New York Times and all the other rags, it, it's that season to shit on millennials, right? Yep. Millennials still aren't sh- showing up for all this they talk of millennials. Vote, ah, only those 30- Parkland kids didn't make any difference and oh, nobody's voting. One in five. Blah, blah, blah. Only 30% are showing up. But what they're not telling you is when you compare that to previous years and particularly midterms, like they're they're blowing the doors off in terms of an increase. Yes, way more, way more engaged at, at the numbers we would like. No, we'd like them all to vote. Obviously, right? We'd like a hundred percent of everyone to vote. But but, but to say we, nothing is happening on that front. Eighteen <clears> percent <throat> of millennials voted last time. In the midterms or the regular election? I think it was uh, way less than 18%. I think it was like 14%. In the in the 2016 election, one in five. So it was like 20, 18 to 20%. Now it's of, closer to 30%. And now we're, and it's not even election day yet. Yes. And, and that's young voters tend to vote more voters. on election day typically. At oh, least, yeah. I had a that's girl how it at was work in Florida like, and Texas. Um, when is the last time that I can put in my ballot? And I was like, um, on election day. Yeah. And she was like, oh my God, I can still put my ballot in on election day. And I was like, baby, it's election day. <laughs> and I asked her, I was like, this is the first time you're voting? And she's like, yeah. But they don't know. They don't, no, they don't care about politics. They don't follow she's this She's never voted before. They don't know. They and she no was idea. like, oh, somebody said it was too late for me to vote. And I was like, no, baby, it's too late for you to mail in your ballot. But you can vote on election day because it's election day. You, you can, can even all the way up go through in person election day and do it old school yep. and fill out a you ballot. You can register on election day in That's Colorado right. and vote you all at the same time. You can show up with your ID at six forty-five on election day and, and say, all. "I want to vote," and they'll go, "Okay," and then you vote. Yeah. 
And so everybody can vote in Colorado. Which, which I might try to do some Tuesday during the day if, if driving people or things like that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay, then I have a thing I want to read. But no, so the young people thing is bullshit. I mean, it's still not what we want it to be, but you know what? That's well, you're going to read the thing about how women need to bail uh-huh. everybody out. Well, before we get to that, let's talk okay. a little bit more about the millennial thing, right? Yeah. The, the, the early voting numbers in some places are eye-opening. In, in like Arizona, I think it was like a 400% increase. In Texas, a 500% increase That's in young Beto, voters. That's Beto, though. That's Beto, which is yeah. great. Uh, Florida, not that much yet, which is a little, uh, people are, I mean, it's like, it is an increase. But it's not as big as they like to see with the Parkland kids and everything. But again, it's not election day yet. Right. And and there's still, I think in Florida, there's still early voting going on this weekend. So they could Good. be having huge drives this weekend. Remember, these kids are very organized. So yes. we don't know what they're up to exactly. Because they haven't been interviewing them. They've been interviewing a bunch of old people talking about how young people suck. Right. Um, so yes, the young people are turning out in greater numbers. In the numbers we need and want, not yet. We're still working on it. It, it. To think that all of a sudden we jump from zero to a hundred in you know in one cycle in two years is is stupid. It right. doesn't work that way. No, like it's if a long slog. Even ten percent more young people vote though. That's a that huge is difference. a giant number of people. That's millions of people. Yeah, especially when you look at some of the really close Senate and House races and the presidential race. Remember, he he won by a combined 20,000 votes in three states. Right. And remember that millennials also are the largest portion of the population. So when we say, you know, 10 percent more of the largest chunk of the population voted, that's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's a bigger number than, let's say, like boomers. Yes. Or I don't know, Gen Xers. Right. So just as a numbers game, that's a lot more people that voted. Yeah. And I think that that's a win. And if we can continue and if I think if if it goes our way and young people saw that a lot of them voted and it worked, um, I think that that's a thing that if then we can have these great progressive candidates win and start doing things. It might be a thing that we can start engaging young people it, it, because we can a, say right now we're, the, the fight we're having with reluctant young voters is this chicken and egg thing. Where it's like, well, I don't vote because they, they don't work on my issues. And like, they're not working on your issues because you're not voting. Right. And and we're trying to convince them, like, you show up in the strong numbers and send your message that the stuff you care about motivates you to the polls. That's how you gain political currency and capital. If it's just your grandparents, then they're going to cater to your grandparents because that's how right. you win elections. Right. And, and, and it's this fight. It's this tug of war back and forth we have. But I think also that there's some good news on that front because I think – um, that we are the so very incredibly uh, leftist and progressive as a generation. Yeah. And we saw in the primaries that a lot of incumbent centrist Democrats who should have been so fucking safe in their seats lost their asses. They lost and the ones in their that, primaries yeah, and the ones to that, incredibly progressive leftist candidates yeah. and the and ones that did win crazy. drifted to the, pretty hard to the left that's right to survive yeah and so Just if like we Hillary can get did. those people elected that's that's a win for young people that's the thing that we did yes. we did that young people did that mm-hmm. not old people not old centrists not crusty old democrats young people made 
Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, right? Yes. And Andrew Gillum. No one's even and talked about her because she's going to win so obviously in her district. But yeah, yeah she's going to... We made her. Yeah. And Gillum. And uh, the rest of... Uh, Stacey Abrams. Like, these are people that... Well, Stacey Abrams, especially women of color. Yes. Well, women of color, for God's sake. If Stacey Abrams is best. able to pull it off in Georgia, and she might, in spite of Kemp's horrible, awful, criminal voter suppression Jim Crow bullshit, which we might get into a little later, in spite of that... She's got a really good chance. Yeah. Not necessarily saying she will, but oh boy, is it going to be close. And if it is, women of color are going to vote in, in eye-popping numbers. Women of color already vote in eye-popping numbers. Well, even compared to what how they usually. Right. F- and with the Abrams race. Right. No, I agree. I mean, Oprah went down there. Obama mm-hmm. went down there. Mm-hmm. Um, no, they're pulling out all the stops. Yeah. It's like a presidential race mm-hmm. in terms of like... The celebrity capital sort of... Think about this for a second. In the state of Georgia, you got a woman of color who is... A black woman. Who is... Let's just say that. Yeah. yeah. A black black woman woman is within a hair's breadth right now of being the governor of the state of Georgia. She would be the first black governor in the country, right? Um, I think so. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah. And certainly in Georgia. (laughs) Um... And I would like to just point out really quick, because I think it's important that we talk about who she is and not just the fact that she's a black woman. She is incredibly qualified. Oh, yeah. Uh, She graduated from Yale. Uh, She is currently the leader of the state Senate in Georgia. Um, She is a romance author, which is not a qualification, but I think it's an interesting (laughs) fact. It's neat. Um, And apparently in her romance novels, it's very progressive there as well. Uh, very egalitarian relationships and things, which I think is kind of lovely. Um, <laughs> I haven't read any of. I haven't either, but I read this novels. article about it, and I was like, "That's lovely." Um, but no, she's incredibly qualified and really smart and really good, and has some really good ideas. And she would be a really good governor for a state that's struggling and needs some help. And there's some pockets, at least. I mean, there's some pockets that are doing great. There's also a um, Republican but, candidate <clears throat> named Denver something who writes Bigfoot porn. Oh. Yeah, Denver Riggleman isn't he the guy? That writes Bigfoot porn? Oh, God, I don't remember. That was a long time ago. <laughs> like a couple months. <laughs> just an eternity. So let's just remember that black women of color are the base of the Democratic Party. Oh, God, Or yes. black women generally, but women of color, uh, yeah, are the yeah. base of the Democratic Party. They are our base. Um, and they also show up more consistently, um, and uh, and we owe really the party to them. Yeah. So now I'm going to read a story about white women mm-hmm. uh, because it's – a thing that I've been talking about and I'm annoyed and this lady's also annoyed so I pretty much could have written this but anyway this is from the Washington Post and the title of the article is women are expected to swing this election because of course we expect them to do everything written by Monica Hess Tuesday Whew, folks, we have spent the past two years white-knuckling our way down a political slime chute, but now the midterms are upon us, and after Tuesday, we should at least know which direction the country is lurching. And behold, the lodestars in this endeavor, if you believe rampant political analysis, shall be suburban female voters. Energized by Me Too, President Trump, Brett Kavanaugh, and the climate-changed oceans preparing to rise up and kill us all, the suburban women voters white suburban women mostly, Mm -hmm. will tear themselves away from their Killing Eve marathons, get to the polls, and change this country. (laughs) Quote, there is one key group of voters that both parties desperately need support from, suburban women. And just remember, whenever we say suburban women, we're talking about white women. Yes, yes, that's code for white women. The contest is likely to hinge on the votes of suburban white women and minorities, writes Houston Public Media of the congressional race. Which, fine. All elections hinge on somebody. 
November 2000 stranded us for months in Broward County. Mm -hmm. 2016 launched 100 doctoral dissertations on forgotten Appalachian coal miners. (laughs) If we now want to talk about suburban white women and how their votes might be swayed by current events, let's do it. But the way journalists and prognosticators are doing it seems off. It makes me wonder where men are supposed to be in this equation. White men. (laughs) The New York Times ran a recent story about whether Trump's nationalistic tendencies would be a breaking point for suburban women who, according to the article, disapprove of, quote, divisive language on race and gender. Okay. I will go out on a limb to say it's great that suburban women do not like racist, sexist speech. I will tiptoe out further to say it's weird that racist, sexist speech would not also bother male voters. Quote, President Trump's personal attacks on women are fueling GOP fears that the party may lose suburban female voters in November, the Hill declared in October after the president had described Stormy Daniels as horseface. Hmm. I'm not saying the horseface descriptor wasn't offensive. I'm wondering about the implication that it was only offensive to women. Do men not care when presidents call people horseface? Are men supposed to care if only if other men are called horseface? <laughs> When Trump criticizes male opponents, Lion Ted, Rocket Man, we have discussions about how the rhetoric debases the country and the office. Mm-hmm. We recognize the language is bad for everyone. When Trump insults women, though, the narrative gets a particular spin. Mm-hmm. Is Trump driving women away from the GOP for good? Politico asked after he mocked Kavanaugh accuser Christine Blasey Ford at a rally in October. Frankly, I was considering leaving a poli- if I were considering leaving a political party, what would push me over the edge wouldn't be one politician making fun of a woman. It would be the presumption that the men in the party were cool with it. The party leaders might fret about my exodus, but they would trust that the men would stay put. Mark Harris, a Republican nominee for Congress from North Carolina, is a pastor whose sermons have encouraged women to submit to their husbands. Mm -hmm. Ugh. A Politico reporter wrote a whole story talking to the women in the district to see how the language and uh, and the race had affected them. But shouldn't the language also upset male voters? Shouldn't fathers want independent daughters and husbands want wives who are equal partners? <laughs> I'll go a step further and say, shouldn't men want women to be people? Mm-hmm. But that's not my story. I'm bothered by all of this for the same reason I was bothered by liberals looking to Senator Susan Collins and Lisa Murkowski to prevent Kavanaugh's Supreme Court nomination. Same here. This is what I was trying to say. <clears throat> Because they were women, the thinking went, they should be sensitive to sexual assault allegations or concerned about the future of Roe v. Wade. As if men can't also care about those issues in thoughtful, humane ways. As if men couldn't also, quote, remember the ladies, as Abigail Adams nudged her husband to do back in 1776. Be more generous and favorable to them than your ancestors, she begged the future president. Hmm. Do not put put such unlimited power into the hands of the husbands. There was a time when any right that women possessed was held in the hands of white men. And those white men somehow, eventually, managed to see beyond their own interests. They managed to recognize that the rights of women and men of color were actually the rights of other human beings. We should think about that now. Anytime we place the burden of the election on the shoulders of white women, we should ask ourselves why we're not also remembering the men. I would also say that, that's what I've been screaming about, it makes me crazy, but those white men that she refers to who eventually came around to other people's interests mm-hmm. didn't actually just come around to other people's interests. Right? <laughs> they were led by they women. They were led by women and people of color and forced through protest and throwing rocks at cops and um, marching in the streets um, to come around to those interests. So it's not like these white men were actually just like, 
oh, you know what? Maybe like black people are people and women should like are people too. That's not how it, it's like. They didn't just realize it. We had to make yeah. them do it. But you know, it's a good point. Like I'm so tired of this narrative that women are responsible for everything and just like men are let off the hook. Just like fuck them. You know. It, well, I, I I understand the the temptation to do that because in my view, I do think white men are a lost cause. <clears throat> it's a cop out. Is it a, is it a cop out? Yes. That we, they're not held to any standard because, oh well, they're just going to do what no, they're, they're going to do. No, they're held. But the white women, though, we got to make them do something else. We got to <laughs> hold them accountable. We got to make sure those white women do something right. No, they're held. The white to, men, though, they're held. They're held to, they're held <laughs> to a standard. They're awful. They're no, terrible. It's, it's literally. And they need to be defeated. It's a, literally a double standard, though. Uh, yeah. To be like, it's all white women's fault. No, blah, no, blah, no, no, no. I'm not it's saying not, it's white. I'm not saying it's white women's fault. And they're it the is, ones that are responsible. It, it, and it's, if they don't it, win, it's their fault. It is squarely it's, white men's fault. Right. But I. But trying to sway them back, just by osmosis, I, I think is a waste of time, in my view. Uh, trying to talk reason to them, I, I think they're a group that is that is terrified and scared of losing their hegemony. And, you know, this is like sort of the natural pushback in the sense of we, we, we have a movement here saying you do not rule everything just by uh, virtue of you being a white man. And they have basically locked arms and said, oh, yeah, come take it from us. And, and we have to do that. And you're right in the sense of the tone and being like, well, save us, Lisa Murkowski. Well, save us, women of color. It's all on you is not fair. You are absolutely right. Yeah. You are absolutely it's, right. It's obnoxious. I will say. But at the same token, I don't know what to say to other white men to make them see reason at this point. I, right. And, and this is why I don't have many white male friends. I, know, I, think, we've, I don't think we have any. So. At least yeah. not like cisgendered. Now, my, my dad on his own has at least come around to realize that, you know, the movement is pretty perturbed and disgusting. Not enough to make him vote Democrat, but he didn't vote for Trump. And, you know, he he's I don't think he's voting for DeSantis and um, he's down in Florida. But like, you know, what else can I do? I don't know. You can't ask me that. What else? Can not, I didn't create this. No, you're 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 absolutely right. I don't know, but I will say <clears throat> that it, it is incumbent on white women to not uh, take part in white supremacy, and yeah. that is a thing that white women do, and it's a thing that white women have always done. Um, it's a thing that white women uh, should be shamed about, and as you, um, but as you not by white men. As not you, by white men. White right. men don't get to shame us into. White liberal men do not get to shame us into doing anything. Like no. Okay. But white women need to talk to other white women and say, like, ladies, you know, let's have a sisterhood. Let's, you know, the patriarchy affects us all. And what you're doing is leeching off of white supremacy and it's fucking gross and stop. Well, there's a hope. And again, this this will go back to the early voting numbers and all the Republicans that are showing up and people worried that they're all going to vote Republican, even though they're just because they're registered Republican, is that some of these suburban Republican women are not may not necessarily vote Republican. Now, that was the hope yep. in 2016. And we were dead wrong on that. Yep. Because they voted for Trump en masse. And well, now, OK, thought, let's be fair. Three percent 
more than the majority of women, white women, voted for Trump. I'm talking about just Republican women. There was this oh. hope there would be this this sizable crossover oh, of no. Republican women voting for Hillary, and that didn't happen. Right. No, no, no. Yeah. Now there's a thought that at least some of them might this time vote in the midterms, not for the Republican, but that remains to be seen. Yes. But your your greater point in that, well, we just have to put this all on women now. You're right. It's not fair. But, but we all, put everything on women all the time. I know. I know. I know. And I hate to do it. And especially women of color, like in places like Georgia. But if you're going to try to sway or rely on men, oh boy, is that a lost cause. We, do you feel the great unfairness of what you're saying, though? I abso- do you feel how unfair I that is? I absolutely do. I absolutely do. And, and I, I, for me, it's different. I'm, I'm very comfortable, okay, surrounding myself with women and queer people and people of color as my friends at this point. And I'm like, I, I don't feel like, oh, I'm just culturally adrift. There's not enough people who look like me in my life because fuck it. I'm sick of women. It's so much as over are. them. So it's done a, with them. It's like, it doesn't no. matter to me. I don't, I don't need to. I don't even want any of bump them bump chest my, and, and swing ever. my dick around at, at tailgate parties. I've done that. I've lived that. You know, that's been there, done that. It's fine. This is better. This is better. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, from a perfectly pragmatic standpoint, if you're going to tell me, okay, let's say I'm a canvasser. It's like you can knock on the door of these 10 unaffiliated white dudes or these 10 unaffiliated women. I'm going to pick the women because I have a chance to maybe get through to them. You, you hear what I'm saying? I know. The, so it, I just, it's tough. It, it is a double standard it's and bullshit. it's not fair, but I get it. It's bullshit. I hate them. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's just like, they just get to fuck the country and then we're like, everybody band together and try to not fuck it. And then they're just like, nah, it's just, they're just, okay. Okay. Well, again, I go back to those early voting numbers and across the board, it's more women, depending on the state, five, six, seven, 10, 12 point advantage to this point. Yeah. That I think means something. I, do I don't know if you want to buy into, you know, our dad's theory in Fox News that these are women who are so mad about Kavanaugh because their sons might be accused of rape. And so they're voting Republican. <laughs> like, OK, maybe. But uh, no, I wouldn't bet on that. That is such bullshit. I wouldn't is bet such bullshit. I wouldn't bet on that. I don't Candace I know. I wouldn't bet. on No, it. no. I would think it was the opposite of that. Yes. And, and today I should point out <laughs> Chuck Grassley was very excited to announce that there was some woman who made a claim against Kavanaugh and then backtracked or, or she said she made it up. It was that she she was her uh, Kavanaugh and somebody else raped her in a car, she had said. But the Judiciary Committee kind of smelled a rat from the start and never it never went public. The media never touched it. We only found out about it now. So it didn't affect anything. But it's a, I guess his point was that, oh, you see, this is witch hunt. Women make things up. Women make things up. And I guess we haven't even gone to the Jacob Wall thing, and I'll get to that in the second half. Yeah. Because that was this week, and I have things to say about that. Yeah. Because, oh, well. But uh, so anyway, in closing yeah. on this, yeah. I think it's fucked up <laughs> and unfair. <laughs> but that's sort of what being a woman is. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah. In terms of like all of the things that we're always supposed to be unexpected to do. And we don't ever hold men accountable and we don't 
make them be responsible for their decisions or their feelings or anything else. We just put it all on women, and this is no exception. Uh, and women of color in particular uh, are, I mean, the pillars of their communities and the pillars of movement work and uh, the backbone of our party and of, um, of, of all things that are good. And I think... I think that it's really inspiring for me that there are so many women of color that are up for election in the Democratic Party, and I yes. would love for so many of yes. them to be in leadership. And I think if the Democratic Party takes back the House, um, you know, I'm I'm not a person who wants to shit all over Nancy Pelosi. I think she's done a lot of good work for the Democratic Party. But what I'd really like to see <laughs> is another speaker, a, well, a woman of color let's in cross that position. That bridge I think when we get well, to I, it. but uh, no, I want to cross it now. I want to say. I want to say that I think we need to uh, put our money where our mouth is. And we talk about this all the time and how great they are and how much we depend on them for elections. And if we didn't have them vote in such great numbers on our side so significantly, we wouldn't have a party. Let's represent that. And let's put somebody in our leadership position who represents the people that we so heavily depend on. <laughs> yeah. That's well, what I would like to see. I would like to see that too, but I don't think Pelosi has any interest in stepping aside. I think she wants that gavel back and she wants to bang it. Well, I think we have to elect her back. So, yeah, but uh, it, uh, like I said, well, I mean, I'm that, saying that, I'm a <laughs> member of the democratic party and I've been a member of the democratic party my whole life. Yeah. And I would like to see someone who represents the core of our party as our party leadership. I, I agree. I'm just saying let's 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 deal with that happy conundrum of who's going to be the House, the Speaker of the House because Democrats have control of it after Tuesday. <laughs> let's not count those chickens before they hatch is just my point. Although I agree with you completely. I, I, let's get some new blood in there that doesn't... Not just new blood. I literally want to see at least like well that's what i mean a black person that's what i mean if it's a black man that's fine with me but like a person of color in that role yeah that would be nice that's, that's what the I core mean. of our party that's who should represent our party as the leader yeah and you're absolutely right i mean when i look at, at the returns on election day whenever i'm following an election i'm not looking at the white neighborhoods and and you know for help i'm i'm rooting to run up the score for people who don't look like me right <laughs> And you're right. So it, that should be our leadership. It the, already is. We should just have it represented that way publicly. You're absolutely right. I yeah. agree with you a thousand percent. Yeah. Um, completely right. You know, with, with these same old faces we've seen forever. It's Steny Hoyer and it's Nancy Pelosi. Kind of just done with white people in general. So like. Tom Daschle and, you know. Well, we need white women or white men doing much in leadership positions in my party anymore. Yeah. We haven't really have a great track record, so let's try something else. Agree with you there, and hopefully that will be a debate we get to have after yes. after Tuesday night, Wednesday morning. I'm very nervous, but I also, like I said, I, I can't obsess over the the early anything. I'm just going to wait and do the everything that I can to try to make a difference in the meantime, and then uh, that's all I got. And then I'll sit here and um, bite my nails and look at you every five seconds and be like, what do you have? What's coming in? Yeah. I mean, just for a quick second, I'll, 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 if you can hold down your breakfast, relive 2016 and that, yeah. especially early in the night, it was looking good because it looked like we had Florida in the bag and what happened because we had really, really great showings in the traditionally 
strong parts for Democratic votes. And like, you know, Dade Broward, Palm Beach, uh, people of color weren't showing up in as good as numbers as Obama, but the, it was enough. And he said, OK, well, from what we figure is going to come from the Republican strong areas, what typically comes, we should be good. But they blew it away just with all the white people coming out for Trump. That's what happened in 2016. And then even after Florida fell, I was still like, well, that's okay, because there's still Michigan and Wisconsin and Pennsylvania, Mm -hmm. and all the polls had showed a steady three to five point lead for Hillary. That's tough to overcome. Uh, And and he did. The the white suburban people showed up for Trump in numbers nobody was expecting, including Trump. And that's what did us in. And got very quiet around like 637 and then like 730 ish. You just looked stricken. Well, yeah, but my point, I don't want to completely relive that night. I just want to say I'm not taking anything for granted this time. Yeah. No matter what the tea leaves show anywhere and early votes, because we don't we we just don't know. Now, logic would say, you know, for an they're not going to show up like they did for an election year and with the the Trump fanfare in 2016 and that sheen is off and tariffs and everything else like they'll show up. And but I don't know. I don't fucking know what these people are going to do. No, because I'm so out of touch with their their thinking and what motivates them, you know, and what they care about. No, I, I know exactly what they care about, which is hating brown people mm-hmm. and women. And and that's it. So, I mean, he's doing a pretty good job of stirring all that shit up this week. So, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know at the expense of other groups. Hopefully we don't know yet. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the Jacob Wall Gates, which is one of the weirder, weirder things. One of the weirder things ever. We've come across. Uh, and then some other just general musings and thoughts. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Irreverent Testimony. And we have some uh, more stuff to get to, but uh, before that, we have another uh, fan favorite segment of shit that pissed Rachel off during the break. And Rachel's going to tell us about it. Okay. Who oh boy. Uh, this story came up from my friend Mo uh, from The Root, which if you don't regularly read The Root, you should. Um, Title of the article is White Student at HBCU Law School Antagonizes Her Black Classmates with Racist Comments. HBCU is Historically Black Colleges and Universities. Correct. So that stands, that's what that stands for. This is written by Morgan Kendall. What in the world would possess a white woman who doesn't really care for or about black people to enroll in a law school program at a historically black college in North Carolina? What would possess that same woman to go on Facebook and make racist comments using the N-word that her classmates would be able to see? And why on earth would that woman post on Facebook that she wishes she could take credit for the package bombs that were mailed to various opponents of Donald Trump last month? 
These questions and more should be asked of Morgan Kendall. Oh, it's not written by her. Who's it written by? Oh, file two. Sorry, this is written by Monique Judge. I apologize. By Morgan Kendall, the white woman in question. Kendall is a third-year law student at North Carolina Central University, one of our nation's HBCUs. WRAL reports that her fellow students are asking that she be expelled from the school after some questionable and racist comments she posted on her Facebook account. Facebook. Facebook Facebook does in so many people. It's amazing. Um, in a Facebook comment responding to another person lamenting about racism and black people being called the N-word, being jumped for being black, and being unable to carry a gun because they are black, Kendall wrote, but that N-word, and she wrote out the entire word, can still vote, drive, and go to school, right? Question mark. Not racism. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay, go on. When others voiced their concern that she had used the N-word and called her out for it, she responded, why can one person type the N-word, and she spelled the whole thing out, and another not? Are you racist? In another post that linked to a news story about the package bombs sent to the Clintons, the Obamas, CNN, and others, Kendall posted a comment saying she wished she could take credit for the package bombs. Understandably, her fellow students were upset and concerned. They took their concerns to the school administration, saying they feared for their safety with Kendall on campus. Mm -hmm. Law school dean Elaine O'Neill and campus police chief Fred Hammett met with a group of students behind closed doors on Thursday. They were told that Kendall would not be allowed to return to campus this week, but she would allow to return to, return to classes on Monday. Law student Anastasia Mabane told WRAL, quote, The sentiment from the room was that that's not an adequate response considering the fear to public safety. The students told WRAL that if the school doesn't take action against Kendall quickly, there will be protests on campus. Quote, I think she should be kicked out of law school, Jasmine McSween told WRAL. Yeah, yeah. I just don't think it's fair that someone with those sentiments to receive a degree from the school that was founded by the very people that she has disrespected multiple times. So now I'm just going to read to you the Facebook comments because, oh, my God, and then we'll talk about it. Um. Someone was lamenting racism, saying, how sway? Someone's never been called an N-word or jumped for being black, and my personal favorite, you can't carry a gun, you're black. And then she says, but that N-word spelled out entirely, can still vote, drive, and go to school, right? Not racism. Somebody says to that response, it's a lost cause. Bro, don't even try. She's never (laughs) wrong. And then she says, actually, I'm wrong sometimes, now you say it. And then later, uh, I thought I was done discussing politics. This is somebody responding to her. Uh, Politics and stuff on Facebook, but you've awakened the beast. I honestly just confused as why you'd even type that word and feel like it's okay. Racism manifests itself in many ways daily in this country, and you thinking you can freely use that word lets me know that you're well aware of that. And somebody else said, wait, I know she did not just type the N-word spelled out. And then that's when she's like, why can one person type it and not another? Are you racist, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So, okay. Fuck her, right? (laughs) Jesus Christ. But the question being, what happened here? And I'm going to go out on a limb and tell you what I think happened. And I'm going to say with like, this is completely speculation and probably one million percent true. Facebook makes white people racist? No. Oh. Why did this woman, this white woman who feels this way about black people, enroll in a historically black law school. Why did that happen? She applied to 50 and that was the one somehow she got into? Nope. 
Uh, Here's what happened. Okay. I don't know this is what happened, but I'm telling you this is what happened. She decided, because she's a racist white woman, that she was going to apply to a historically black university. And because she's white, they were going to say no. And then she was going to sue them <laughs> for being racist. Because <laughs> yeah, affirmative action. But to her surprise, she got in. And now she's like, now Hold what on. do I do? Okay. So that's what she was going to do, right? Because they're definitely like going to not let her in because they're a black university. Then she got in. And she was like, why are the black people not discriminating against me? Like, that's what they do. I'm oppressed. White genocide. What's going on? <laughs> so she's like, oh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go. I'm going to go to the school. And then I'm going to say a bunch of racist shit. Get kicked out. And, and then, then I'm going to get kicked out. And then I can sue them. This is a For really, free speech. Yeah, this is a really good lead into the Jacob Wall story. No, but, but this is... I'm te- Hold on. I know. I'm not jumping into that yet. I'm just like, saying. This is, I'm like telling this. you this is what happened. She was shocked that the black people let her in because... She's the oppressed party here. Do you think she put and that black much thought pe- into it? Why would she apply to this school if she had those beliefs? Um, Why? I, I think... There is no good reason. Is she... Well, what, we don't know her background. Is she local? Did, does she live close by? Maybe her parents are close by? Maybe... Okay, if you hate black people, you do not enroll in a, in a black... You don't surround yourself with like 80% of the student population is black, right? Like you don't do that because why would you? Oh, if you're an idiot? I don't know. No. This is intentional, I'm telling you. And then she was going to be like, oh, they are racist against me, and sue them and go to the Supreme Court and be like, affirmative action is bullshit. <laughs> the white women have done this before. This is a thing that they do. They use affirmative action against universities to say I, that you're being racist against I, white I know, people. and there's a big case right now there's, with Asian students in Harvard. Yeah. I can tell you, like, so many cases of white people doing this. Huh. Okay. It's it, This is how affirmative action gets ripped apart. It's problematic but white women do this in mass numbers so this is what she did then they let her in she was shocked and okay. she was like mm. and they let her in probably because it, wait, like it, she what year is she in third year she's wow she's three but she waited to her third year to spring this brilliant plot i mean like law school no wherever no matter where you go like the first year is tough and people generally don't transfer between law schools well her first year would have been what 2015 yeah then second year 2016 or I'm sorry, 20, so 2016 would have been her first year. 17, uh-huh. second year. Uh-huh. 13 this year. So uh-huh. she's been radicalized, maybe. But she's always been a racist, right? Claire, yeah, obvs. So now, she literally goes to her classmates on Facebook publicly, using the N-word, writing the whole thing out, calling yeah. them racist, saying yeah. she wishes she could send package bombs to people who oppose Trump, right? Yeah. So that they expel her, which is the point that I'm telling you this is going to go here. And then she's going to sue them for, like, freedom of speech and, like, some fucking bullshit. How does she expect to to, to get bar certified with that this on her resume? Like, this is the kind of right. thing that where you don't ever become a lawyer. Right. So You, you do that shit after, <clears throat> and then it's tougher to disbar you once you're barred, but... So it's, it's an interesting question, um, which we have a little bit of knowledge about because some of the lawyers that we know had this um character question so when you become a lawyer there's this uh, other part besides like passing the bar and like all that stuff where there's this like ethics and character question yeah that you have to have this certain character and ethics background to be able to be a lawyer and people can complain if they know something well like if you have 
any crimes on your record yeah. or if you like that kind of thing. And some of the people that I know that you are say lawyers. say shit on social media. Well, but some of the people that I know are lawyers that are going to, one person particularly that I know that is trying to become a lawyer um, does have some uh, crime on mm-hmm. his record. And that's from movement work. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. From protests and being arrested by fascist cops for trying to combat um, Nazis. And so what he had to do is get all of these, like, you know, um, I guess references, but they call them like character references from mm-hmm. lawyers who've already been barred. Mm-hmm. And the ones he picked were people who also went through this, which I think is kind of funny. Um, but it's a real thing. Like, in order to become a lawyer, like, you have to pass a certain threshold of, like, having a certain level of, like, character. Like, Donald Trump, for example, could never become a lawyer. You wouldn't think. Um, someone Michael Cohen did, but anyway. Well, Michael Cohen probably did before he did all that stuff. So anyway, I think that's a really good question, and I think that her doing this and this becoming public will probably prevent her from ever actually being a lawyer. You would hope, right? I would hope. I would hope One so. would hope. And the uh, bar is pretty, you know, stringent about this kind of thing, you know? It depends on the state, but most are, yes. Right. And this, again, this is North Carolina, did you say? Yeah. Okay. Right. Okay. So. Yeah, I actually wrote a, a reference for a friend who was barred in North Carolina. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. A character reference? Yeah. 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 It's a thing. I mean, it's a real thing. And it's really scary for people who do movement work who become attorneys because there's a possibility that they won't be able to become attorneys um and depending that's, on the charge and the situation mm-hmm. like they look and, at it and they and have to like write all of these papers mm-hmm. and essays and things about what happened and well, why I can't and wait all to the see things this and, lady's essay or why it's uh, okay to use the n-word on facebook and talk about mail bombs right yeah i think her legal career is done before it started yeah um and if all of this was to make a point right i really think that's what this is otherwise it doesn't make any sense that's to me. that that is scary because that is a dedicated racist yeah that is a dedicated fascist yeah isn't it yeah yeah so are people who send fucking pipe bombs. I mean, this is a more sophisticated way of doing that, but it's it's a thing people do. Yeah, and you're willing to risk your whole future legal career. Of course, if you're in a racist bubble where you think it's okay, but she's going to an HBCU law school. Right. So Why is she doing that? There's a reason. There's not like she... If she was accepted yeah, there, then there's likely there's she Occam's was accepted razor, a lot of other places, and she chose to go to a black university knowing... That oh. she's a racist. I mean, there's just there just isn't but any other we, explanation. We don't know that she could live in the neighborhood. It could be walking distance. It could have been the cheap, the only one she could afford. We we don't really know. We don't. I'm not saying I know all of this. I already said that. I don't know anything. I'm saying this is what I'm saying. I think is going to come out. But this doesn't sound like the brightest person in the world. That's that's my problem. Yeah, that she got in this university. Uh, yeah. Okay. We uh, not all. Some lawyers are. People who become lawyers are good at studying and comprehending law and not necessarily smart. Not their name, right? Yes. They're not all super smart. Generally, yes, lawyers are very smart, but you've known a few that aren't, have you not? (laughs) Right. I mean, there are studies that show that there are certain um, uh, things about lawyers that are different from the general population that Uh I think are interesting that we don't need to get into, but um, generally, like... um, yeah. You gotta be pretty smart. Reasoning, and... um, skepticism, um, yeah. There's like some things about lawyers that are why lawyers are lawyers. But anyway, I I think that this is absolutely uh, 
abhorrent. And I, I think that the students who are saying that she's a safety threat to their campus are absolutely Absolutely correct. right. Yes. She would like to take credit for sending pipe bombs to people who oppose Trump. And she's on... <laughs> We can't campus? play around with that stuff That's anymore. That's not funny. It's not a joke. It's not funny. It's not a joke. It actually happened. Um, and so I think that they're right in that this is a threat. That could earn her a visit from the FBI. It probably it should. should. Particularly given the population of people that she's surrounded by. Um, and her clear disdain for them. And then her, like, veiled violent threat. I think that that's enough to get somebody expelled. And I don't know why she would even need to continue to be in law school, given what we just talked about, because she's not going to ever be a lawyer. So I think if they do expel her, she will sue. Oh, good. Let her try. And I think that that she might prevail because freedom of speech and... Oh, that discovery. That discovery, Rachel. I mean, what? I mean, what? You know, what's the legal? What's the legal? Uh... Any, any? Did she incite any, violence? Any no. university has a duty to protect their student body. Agreed. And and it's not a constitutional right to be admitted to a university. No, it isn't. And people get expelled for things much less, like I don't know, being drunk too many times and causing a ruckus. Absolutely. There's so a, I there's think a this code is... of every university has a code of conduct that she has clearly violated. I in, would think in countless ways. Right. So I she does not have a case. No, she's but not I, going to prevail. I, I would like to think not. I would like to think not too. But I also think that the university needs to like just not let her come back to school on Monday. Yeah. Um, what was the deal about letting her come yeah, back? Yeah. Like, we're going to give like a cool off period for a week and then she can come back on Monday wow, is bullshit. That like, doesn't make no, any sense. No, that doesn't make sense. She should never be allowed on that campus ever again yeah. or any other campus, frankly. And I think the FBI should talk to her about, you know, her intentions. So anyway, that's my uh, shit that pissed me off because it really pissed me off. As it should. So, um, now you're going to tell us a really funny story that couldn't possibly be true. <laughs> couldn't possibly be true. Well, it's not it's over so yet. It's so absurd it's that it couldn't on. possibly be true. Okay. I, you're just going to have to break it down because it is so fucking crazy. Okay. So if you, if you either hang around on Twitter way too much, like I do, or you watch Rachel Maddow, you probably have heard of this guy, Jacob Wall. Uh, I had heard of him for a long time cause I'm on Twitter too much. He is this little Trump sycophant kid. He's about 20-something years old, early 20s, maybe even 20. He just very recently before he became the Trump Twitter superfan, which is basically what he's famous for, he was a uh, a hedge fund guy, securities trader, and he committed – How is that possible if he's in his early 20s? I don't know, but the point is he committed so much fraud, he got a lifetime ban from trading. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw that. Uh, From this one like hedge fund, right? Yeah, I don't know how you managed to do that, uh, but he did. <laughs> like, so he's in the category of Bernie Madoff, uh, and ostensibly not in prison because he didn't do an actual Ponzi scheme. He just committed some kind of other fraud that didn't get him in jail but made him lose his business. I, I don't know the details on that, but I know that he can't be a traitor anymore. So he's a Trump sycophant super fan. Twitter so, troll, right? Twitter troll, troll. yeah. 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 So he, and, and and his big thing is like really dumb conspiracy theories and, and he writes for this horrible conspiracy blog, the Gateway Pundit, which always comes Ugh. up with this crazy shit like Antifa super soldiers and Antifa is going to raid all the white people's houses this next Tuesday, so be ready and, and just, you Do know. Do they dumb. really think that we're like an organized group? 
No, no, he gets clicks and money for scaring stupid white people. But do they it, think that? It's just so funny how they talk about Antifa. It's just so weird. Who's they? Everybody who talks about Antifa. Some of them, yeah, is but, not like a protester who doesn't like fascists. Oh yeah, the old people do because they've been. They they literally think that we're like a gang. They like organizes and like meets on Tuesdays to talk about how we're gonna like yes, Antifa they, things. Yeah, they or think we're, we're a paramilitary group. It just means anti-fascist shoot white people or and something. all antifa people are are just people who decide that they don't want fascists in their neighborhood and so they go into the street it's not a thing it's just people who are anti-fascist anyway anyway so this guy that that's his big claim to fame right well he really 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 got his his uh stuff in a wad uh during the kavanaugh hearings he's he Never believe women. All these women are liars. It's all fake. It's all a witch hunt. Media, blah, blah, blah. Like, as most Republican trolls did. So he, apparently what happened, and and I, and I still don't know how this happened or why, but he hatched a plan with this other conspiracy theory, theory kind of lawyer guy who used to be a commentator on, like, Fox and CNN during the, the Obama years, but then he was so crazy they kind of didn't even bother with him anymore. A guy named uh, Jack Krugman or Klugman or something. I forget his name. Anyway, another guy like him, but older. And a lawyer. A lawyer. Uh, Apparently a lawyer. I'm not sure. Okay. So apparently what the plan, these guys got together and hatched what they thought was a foolproof scheme to say that, in fact, Robert Mueller is a serial sexual harasser slash rapist and they came up with this detailed account of a day in 2010 where he went to a hotel in New York, went to a bar, picked up a lady, coaxed her upstairs, and raped her. That's their story, right? And they fabricated. They, they well, just made it up, right? They, they like yeah. literally like just sat in a hotel room and were like, what could we do? Obviously. This and, is what we did. And, okay. and, when, and when you read it, it's, it's so obviously and stupidly made up. And, and like there's also proof that on that very day, he Robert Miller actually appeared for jury duty in D.C. He didn't get on the jury because oh, he's like, so cute I'm that Robert he went Mueller. To jury duty. Yeah. No, you can't be on the jury, sir. OK, so anyway, they, they hatched this plan that we're going to say that that this happened on this day. OK, OK. Now, here's the other. There's several tiers to this to this uh, ingenious uh, plan. Plan number one was the front, apparently, or this may have been coincidental, the front for this plan was this so-called private investigation agency that Jacob Wall obviously started himself. Called Surefire. Called Surefire Security or Surefire Intelligence. Surefire Investigation, something like that. And he obviously started himself because when you research the domain, it's his name and his email and his phone number, which apparently he's on a family plan with his mom. So numbers that was actually forwarded to his mom. Uh, but that's another angle. Yep. That's a whole other thing. That's a whole other thing. Anyway, but it's him. It's obviously him. And to make his uh, intelligence, quote, intelligence agency look real, he had this fake sort of board of directors and people that worked for him. And just to fill in these spaces, he got like uh, just headshots off the internet. Famous people, Christopher Waltz, they got used his headshot and made up some name and said he was like chief of security. And this Jesus. this Israeli model and one, and their chief operating officer or their main guy 
was a person made up named uh, Cohen, Matthew Cohen or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's him. And it's interesting. I knew a Matthew Cohen once, but anyway. That's him, though. That, but, but it was him. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Cohen is It, it is took like guy. his own picture and darkened it with an in- Instagram uh, filter or something. And, and, was he and, trying to make himself look Jewish? I don't no, 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 no. Like literally just like not his face darker, like just made the whole picture darker so you couldn't oh. really see it. Why? But it was obviously him. Oh. <laughs> what? I'm not, I'm not I making thought you just said up. he was making his face darker and I was like, does he know? No, no. Like- he took like the same headshot of him that's all over the internet, one of the headshots, and just made the whole thing darker so you couldn't really see it and then called himself, uh, I guess it was Matthew Cohen or something Cohen. I think it's Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's crazy. Okay, I didn't... But it gets even crazier because... No, no, it does. It just keeps getting crazier. It keeps getting crazier because uh, ostensibly the whole Surefire thing was all based on the smaller thing because the report that came out about this woman who was supposedly making all these claims against Mueller was a report done by this Surefire intelligence, Mm -hmm. which is just him. Mm -hmm. Now it gets even crazier because either one of two things now... Either he went so far to make the thing look real that he got him got it all over the internet and actually put ads out and stuff. Yeah, he did. Oh, well, the, um, yeah, but I'm trying to think of the reason he did this. He either did that as part of the whole Mueller ruse or to actually play private detective on the side. And it seems to be to play private detective on the side because a story came out yesterday. But we haven't even gotten to this story yet. We'll get to that in a minute. But this happened before the Mueller thing. I'm just trying to go oh, chronologically. okay, okay. So before we even get to the Mueller thing, again, Jacob Wall, 20-year-old internet troll, failed uh, hedge fund guy, uh, Trump superfan sycophant, has decided to play private detective and create a fake agency wherein he runs everything with a bunch of fake people and headshots of celebrities and himself with a darkened picture, and he's using an alias. Then he decides he actually gets a call. The he, bat line. He posts rings. a bunch of ads on Craigslist. Uh, again, about- again, ostensibly, this is all as a front for his big Mueller scheme. Right. But he actually gets a call from somebody who actually needs a PI. Right. In Washington State. Yes. Or Washington D.C. With Washington State. I, I think it was Washington State. Yeah. Um. He gets where there's a, just by the way, a law that says that if Specifically, you're a PI, you, do. you have to have a PI license to do an investigation, which he doesn't he get doesn't because have. he didn't need to because he wasn't going to be a PI. It was just a big front for this Mueller thing about rape. I, we think. <laughs> but this lady calls him. This lady calls, and apparently this lady had a crazy abusive husband or ex-boyfriend or something who yeah, stole she her... she got through a really bad divorce. Stole her nice new pickup truck. So she was... And she wants so it back. She, no, so she got a divorce. It was really, really messy. She didn't have anywhere to live. She was living out of her Hummer. A Hummer. She had a Hummer, yeah. And somebody stole the Hummer. And so she wanted it back because it's worth a lot of money, as you might imagine. So she was on Craigslist looking for a paralegal to help her with some of her divorce paperwork. That's right. And she ran into this ad that was like, oh, do you need a PI? (laughs) Have you been scammed? Do you need help tracking someone down? We can help. And she's like, yeah. Then she Googles it and she finds like all these glowing reviews on Yelp. And like there's a LinkedIn and his website's really nice and it looks like legit. So she's like, okay. Yeah. She's not an idiot. She's like, oh, okay. Looks legit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Pays him $1,200. Pays him twelve hundred, and he. Well, t- so she calls him, right? Yeah, and he answers the phone, and he's Matthew Cohen, 
And she has a whole conversation with him. And he's like, this is exactly what we do, ma'am. This is exactly what we do. <laughs> I'm going to help you. We're going to recoup tens of thousands of dollars from this guy. It's going to be 1200 bucks. And she's like, that's good. I can do that. Like to get the back worth the it. worth of my Hummer, which is God knows what tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'll pay you 1200 bucks. Great. This this is Jacob Wall, right? He's this not a private investigator. He doesn't kid. have it. No, he's just a dude. He's he's literally playing PI, and he's like, oh, if some lady wants to give me twelve hundred bucks while I'm doing this this scam, so okay. Then he goes on the internet and he googles like private investigator contract, right? <laughs> he gets Pulls one. it up and like changes the names of things, right? Like it's just yeah. a template. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Signs it as Matthew Cohen. So, yeah, she signs it. He's just now he's broken the law, period. He's broken the law at this point. Many laws, I think. So many laws. But like, at least at this point, like they have a signed and fully executed contract where he's going to be her personal, her private investigator. She has paid him a sum of money to do a set of things. Well, let's break it down, right? I'm no expert on Washington state law, but what I I can at least think that... I'm a baby expert on contract law. Well, okay. (laughs) That... A, we know that you have to be a licensed private investigator to do private investigator work and to, to do investigations. Which now, now, maybe there's a loophole <clears throat> where he didn't exactly use that terminology or something. No. I don't so know. So they talked to a private investigator in the state who said, I'm not a lawyer because that's what everyone has yeah, to say. Yeah. You know lawyers. Yeah. Um, but what I would say about what I know about Washington state law is that according to this contract, um, what he would be doing would absolutely be classified as a, quote, investigation under Washington state law. And an investigation requires that you have a PI license. Okay. So that's the first law he broke. Secondly, if you are doing this scam and you're using a fake identity and getting someone to sign a contract and hand you over money, that has to be fraud, right? Right? Well, signing under a fake name, as we know from the president and his lawyer... Um, doesn't make you less culpable or like less tied to that contract. Um, I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about the the fraudulent act of misrepresenting yourself as somebody else to sign a contract. I don't. I don't. Yeah, know. for sure. Okay. For sure. Yeah, that's illegal. For sure. <laughs> yes. And then there's the fraud of the fact that he didn't actually have a functioning uh, investigation agency. No, as- he was just a dude who was trying to fuck with Mueller, but not yet because some lady wanted to pay him money. So right, and apparently he didn't do anything. He did enough <clears throat> surface level work to find like the husband's name and print some report of where he was living, but probably didn't do anything else. Oh, I didn't even hear that that happened. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I mean, he's not allowed to be a private investigator in the state of Washington, <laughs> and he fraudulently like he did. To- this is very bad. So then he basically stole her money and ghosted her, right? Yes. Like he just is like, no, like she just couldn't get a hold of him. All the numbers were disconnected. Yeah, yeah. Wouldn't because respond. because this all broke at the same time as this other thing. Then went down. what the whole point? So let's go yeah. back to the point. Okay, so like so this back guy to the point. who's an internet troll and a Donald Trump sycophant wants to fuck with Mueller, opens this investigative firm for the express purpose. We of, think. We think. Right. This this or, or, hold on. This last story is like a total like this weird thing that also happened, but has nothing to do with Mueller. I think it's just he was like somebody wants to give me money. We don't know, but like so then. But the point of the surefire investigators or whatever was to make this fake story about Robert Mueller raping a woman in New York City. Well, right. He, but here's where it gets confusing, and it's hard to figure what their plan was because. This woman, while this was all going on the past few weeks or months, this woman had been calling a bunch of 
uh, journalists saying like WAPO and yeah, New York Times and saying, a bunch of people. She she would uh, she called herself Lorraine Parsons and said, "I am this woman who Jacob Wall and this other dude have been trying to pay me to uh, have been trying to pay me to say these things about Robert Mueller." And they're like, okay, that's interesting. Let's meet up and talk. No, 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 I can't meet up. This is all over email, by the way. Hold on. Hold on. I think we have this wrong. He actually tried to pay two women who I may have known Mueller. I haven't gotten to that yet. I haven't But didn't, isn't she the one? She didn't say that he tried to pay her. I thought she said that the, the Rain, Lorraine was the one that said he did it. No, hold on. Oh. Lur, no. Lur, it gets so nope. complicated. Okay. Stay with me. Okay. I've, I've been on top of this. Lorraine was the one who was reaching out to like at least 30 different journalists via email and saying, hey, you should know that Jacob Wall and this other guy have been trying to pay me to make up these things about Robert Mueller. And the journalists have said, okay, can we talk on the phone? No. Okay. Can we meet? No. Can you give me more information about yourself? No. And they're like, we've got nothing. There's nothing we can do. Right. But so they started talking to each other. The journalists like, did you get an email from this Lorraine Parsons with this crazy Jacob Wald Mueller story? Yeah. Yeah. I got, and they're like, okay, let's, and they've all held off. They're like, well, I don't know what's going on here, but somebody is up to something. Right. Because <laughs> right? they're like, journalists. Yeah, they're journalists. Like, But they don't have enough information to run with a story, obviously. Well, th- that's right. They yeah. don't have anything. They don't they're have not going to run. What What are they going to run? A lady emailed me, but that's all. <laughs> yeah. A lady, that's the news story. A lady, a lady emailed, emailed me, me and about said some crazy something, shit. <laughs> but th- that, that never happens at journalists. Now, at the same time this is happening, Jacob Wall and this Jack Klugman guy, and not Jack Klugman. Jack Klugman was a 60s character actor, but something like that. Right, whatever the lawyer. He has been, have been actually calling, reaching out to women who they think, for whatever reason, have either worked with Mueller or lived near Mueller or went to school with Mueller in the past. Right. And like there's said, some like evidentiary trail that like they either went to the same law school, worked in the same law firm, yes, lived yes. in the same neighborhood. They there's think some reason some that somebody connection. they could have known each other at some point. Right. They've decided. And they and they're reaching out to these women under the surefire intelligence banner, I think, if I remember correctly, and and saying, Hey, it has come to our attention that you may have worked with Robert Mueller and he may have done these things. He may have harassed you or done these other things. And we are willing to pay for your story and a signed statement about the things he did. And who did they reach out to? They reached out to (laughs) one law professor (laughs) by the name of Jennifer. I forget her last name now. And who has never worked with Robert Mueller. Like apparently they did work at the same firm, but at different years or something. Um, And so she immediately forwarded it to the special counsel in the FBI. Right. So this like really smart lawyer who's a law professor gets this crackadoo email about <laughs> Robert Mueller harassing her and she's like, Jesus, forwards it to the FBI. Immediately. Like, that's it, yeah. right? Because yeah. of course. So. And then some other like partner at a law firm. Yeah, yeah. And then somebody else was like, I just ignored it or and I, it's I just, No, then, then they forwarded it to the FBI. They, they also were, forwarded They were it to both the just like, what the fuck is this? No, no, here. This is the thing that's happening. I don't know. I'm not talking to anybody. Yeah. So it seems to me, we're not sure of anything, but my hypothesis is, and and Kegro is another one. And then I guess before we get to the hypothesis, we should say that this was all contingent on a thing that this 
uh, Larry Klugman, whatever his name is, guy. So I'm going to have this press conference at the Holiday Inn. The Holiday Inn. The Holiday Inn uh, meeting room. Mm-hmm. Conference room. <laughs> uh, where this, this woman who Robert Mueller raped in 2010 is going to make a statement. Mm-hmm. And everyone's like, all right, let's okay. let, let's see what this is about. Let's now, do this guy has done shit like this before. Very specifically trying to frame or blame democratic politicians, usually on a much smaller scale of doing these things. And then either nobody shows up or somebody literally phones in and it's like garbled and you can't hear anything. And then his followers get really mad and he does this shit all the time. Like, Oh, I've got this big announcement and this person's going to come to this press conference. And then the press conference happens and the person doesn't show up. Okay. Fast forward to this past Thursday, was it? Or Wednesday? I don't remember if it was Wednesday or Thursday, but the press conference is there. Jacob Wall is there in his in his tennis shoes and his little uh, running jacket. He looks like he's fourteen. Um, the the Larry Klugman guy is there in a in a cheap suit with his fly down. Just, oh, it just happened to be <laughs> this fly happened in a to holiday be down. and conference room. <laughs> in a holiday and conference room at a podium, official. and no woman shows up. Right. Uh, nobody's there. They, Obviously, they because say, no woman exists. They say because of all the publicity, she was in fear for her life. So she she's 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 definitely at some point gonna tell her story, but not today. And everyone's like, mm, okay. Why did we hold a press conference? All right, uh, we uh, held a press conference to say the lady in question is not coming. Right, right. And, and Jacob Wall cool. wouldn't really answer cool, any cool, questions cool. about Surefire or any of the other things, and it was a joke. Like the because the press has already dug in at this point, right? Like they've gotten weird calls, they've talked to each other. Now this guy is doing this thing, and it's obvious bullshit. So they've already they've got. A litany of questions about well, all of these things, what, and then he's just like, "I don't know." I whatever this plan was is obviously imploded completely, right? Yes. Now, what we're trying to figure out is what was the plan, and right. there are two theories. My theory was, as stupid and harebrained as it was, was that they were hoping they would get somebody out there who worked with Mueller to say horrible things for a few bucks. Uh, I think it was like, we're going to pay off your credit cards and give you 20 grand or something like that. And like to most successful lawyers, that's probably not worth it. Um, um to most female <laughs> bodied people, <clears throat> regardless of their profession in this day and age and in any day and age, um, we just don't go out making false accusations. For no, money. particularly no. given like your target here. Yes. It's not like they went after like, I don't know. You know, a state senator. Right. They went after Robert fucking Mueller. Right. But in, in any event, my theory was they they were hoping very much someone would take the bait. Yeah. And maybe somebody did. And this, this actor that they hired, Svetlana, from, you know, just crapped out and didn't want to do it. Or they didn't come up with anybody. But, but the, he's used to doing that. Hold, so. hold on. My, my theory was that the Lorraine Parsons character they invented... To discredit the press, um, when they <laughs> uh, now I'm not even sure. Now I'm confused. What was my theory? <laughs> Your theory was that they would uh, get the press to report. This is why I thought Lorraine Parsons said he did it. Because your theory was that they would get the press to report that she that Robert Mueller had this this thing, and then they'd be like, "See, no, they, the press will just report on anything." The press. No, is- no, that was Kegro's theory. Oh, my, my my theory was the Lorraine Parsons character was fake. They made her up whole cloth name and everything. Um, 
and the press was going to report on the it press was going to report on it. And then they could say, see, this woman doesn't even exist. And it would give them plausible deniability when people started questioning Jane Smith, who showed up to make these accusations, who has a heavy Russian accent <laughs> or, you know, whatever they were going to do, like just muddy the waters and make it so confusing and discredit the press. Discredit the press was your point, though. Yes. But right. Kagro's theory was that they were trying to discredit the press in a completely different way, that the whole thing was they were going to make all this up and get the press to bite because they're just so ravenously hungry to bring down any man who's accused of sexual assault by anyone, no matter how thin or, you know, how unfounded the, the charges are. And then they were going to spring their trap and say, ha ha, we made it all up. That shows you. And now we've also right. discredited Christine Blasey Ford. Right. No, my theory should. is that they hate women. Yes. And so they want to prove that, um, any woman can accuse any famous man of anything <clears throat> and then we'll take them down okay, without any evidence, without any credibility, without to, anything at all. That makes we the most sense. We will just but, but, say, yes. even Robert Mueller can be <laughs> taken down because it yeah. doesn't matter anything. These women are just evil so and vile and yeah. like we are proving that everyone will believe even fake women. Yes. And any man can be taken down by even fake women and we've just proven that the Me Too movement is bullshit. Two problems with that. One, if that was their plan, why are they out there trying to pay actual women to make up right, a story? Right, because then they can disprove that story. They can come back out and say, we paid her to say uh, that. It didn't happen. Okay. All You'll right. believe anything. You okay. didn't even look into it. He wasn't okay. even in that city at that time. Yep. That's a good call. Uh, the, okay. You know what? That makes sense. That yep. makes sense. Yep. The, the other problem with that is... Or they really wanted to take Mueller down. And they were like, <laughs> maybe this will work. Right? God. We'll just get people right. to say, like, right, right. That's their backup plan. That's the backup plan. The Maybe backup we plan can is... actually take Mueller out by doing yeah. this. And if that doesn't work, then we can, we can just our fuck, fallback plan fuck is women say, and be fuck like, Me press. Too yes, is horrible yeah. and the press is horrible and women are terrible okay. and all okay. of that. Okay, now it's starting to take form and make a little more sense what their grand plan was. None of it worked, obviously. But the, the, the bigger problem. This all actually happened. Yes, no, this we're not making not this like up. This is not like a radio theater hour. Yeah. This all actually <laughs> happened this week and it's. As crazy as it sounds. But the bigger problem with that is that these these two and their whole ilk in general have made their their mark by saying, oh, isn't the horrible liberal media awful? And if you're going to prove that the media is just as willing to take down Robert Mueller, then that kind of blows up your whole liberal media theory. But like you said, it's more it's important more to them important to discredit women. to hate women than it is to discredit the media. Okay. And you can do both at the same time, they thought. <laughs> But it didn't work out, really. It didn't work out, but they're still they're still. And so now there may it. be criminal charges about this woman and her Hummer. Um, there may be criminal charges with extortion and, and all kinds of other things. Yeah, trying to bribe or, yeah, I mean, like, there's just a lot of obstruction of justice, right? Because if you think about what they did, what they were trying to do was dismantle the Mueller investigation by mm -hmm. taking him out using false information, which yes. is obstruction of justice. Just on its face, there's no other thing to call it. And so, there is a crime where... Uh, injuring a public official in this way is also a, a, is, a, is a federal statute, I think. Um, but in, in any event, they're in potentially they're in trouble, but they're they're not backing down. Oh, they they're backing down in the sense that they took down the Surefire website and all yeah. that shit. Yeah. But they're still sticking to their story that you know. There's got, this woman though. She she's exists. Got the dirt on Mueller and. Okay. Well, so okay. Okay. All right. And I'd like to say real quick, I don't believe any of that. I don't believe them. I don't believe anything. Mm -hmm. 
And is it possible that Robert Mueller fucked with a lady at one point? Sure, he's a man with power. He's a man with power. It's always possible. I don't think. (laughs) I find it highly improbable, but if a woman came to me and said, oh my God, this thing happened with fucking Robert, I'd be like, shit. I might have to believe that. That's probably true. Yeah. Because he's a white dude who's old and he had a lot of power. So, real quick, we're almost out of time, but uh, Beto O'Rourke, Ted Cruz and Project Veritas trying to get Beto O'Rourke in trouble because his campaign talked about bringing blankets and possibly medicine to some like hungry sick people in the caravan and they think that's going to help them somehow oh he oh his campaign also um uh in their spare time uh went and helped some homeless folks um and didn't bring any media and there was uh somehow some some leak of ted cruz being like what are they fucking christ-like or something (laughs) and uh Yeah, they are more oh, Christ-like than you. Okay, so there's a chance there. I don't think he's gonna do it, but, but I also think he's not going anywhere. I think he's tremendous no. and he's Be- charismatic. Be- Beto's gonna be around. Yeah, he's another Obama. Okay, Amazing. so okay. Uh, do something over these next couple yeah, of days. Yeah, would you please make texts, phone bank, canvas, do something. Please. Drive people to the polls. At least yeah. tell your friends who don't maybe don't want to vote. Just like make them do it. And make also, them do it. obviously, Stay on top all of, your of you are doing members. it because otherwise we're not friends anymore. <laughs> Stay active. Stay tuned. Stay involved. At Reverend duo on twitter reverend testimony at gmail.com talk to you next week where we will break down what the hell happened in the midterms hopefully it won't be nightmarish and telling you how to get your passport and hoard the antibiotics and all the other stuff which you might want to do and that take anyway. care of yourselves this week try yeah okay adios <laughs>